relevant to our life. How many know that the Bible is relevant today as, it, as it's ever been? Amen. All right, good. And so we are looking here in First Thessalonians. We're going to be in uh, uh, we uh, chapter four, verse thirteen is where we'll start. But um, and just to give you kind of a recap, Thessalonian, an epistle that Paul wrote to the people in Thessalonica, and um, and while he was there, he was he Paul spent, according to Acts seventeen, he spent three Sabbath days there. So about three weeks uh, preaching and loving on these people, telling them about Jesus before he was ran out of town um, and persecuted for preaching Jesus um, as the king of kings instead of Caesar. So he was ran out of town. And how many know that's a quick time to establish a church in three weeks? And he taught them and uh, he covered a lot of ground in that short time. And there are three themes um, that he brings up, Paul's. Paul does this quite a bit in many of the epistles that he writes. Uh, three themes that he talks about are these, which are, and I think every, every good church should have these, faith, love, and hope. Amen? Faith, love, and hope. And he, this is one of the themes that he talks about. In chapters 1 through 3, he discusses the uh, Thessalonians' faith in the Lord and how they were standing uh, during persecution. And matter of fact, he sent Timothy, his young protege, um, to check on them because he was concerned about them for only being there three weeks and then running. Uh, he had to leave to, to basically kind of save face. And so he sent Timothy back, and, and Timothy brought back a good report. We talked about that uh, a little bit last time we were here. I was going to say last week, but it was two weeks ago. Um, and then he, uh, he was talking about their faith and the faith, uh, their faith of their past. And then, then he shifts gears in Chapter 4, and then he moves to this uh, theme of love. Everyone say love, right? Um, the scripture says that uh, they will know you by how you love what? One another. And that's an important theme in scripture. Matter of fact, um, you know, that's how the world will know Jesus Christ. And uh, it's interesting. We, we touched on some very tough subjects last week in that little uh, chapter four there. There's a lot of things and Paul says this in the first part of chapter 4 is don't be like the pagans but abstain from sexual immorality and show love for one another and so uh and basically he breaks uh kind of talking about faith to talking about holiness which is not a very popular thing to talk about uh in today's terms but uh, how many know that that the Lord says that, uh, well, in, in Peter it says, uh, uh, be holy for I am holy. It's what the Lord says to us. And our our job is to live as holy as we can, right? How many know that 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 we're not perfect? Everyone look at your neighbor and say, there's no way you're perfect. All right? And if they say they are, they just admitted that they're not perfect. Um, and so he what we have to understand with the Thessalonians, they had a lot of pagan culture around them, and, and it was okay to be immoral. It was okay to be promiscuous. And so he is kind of addressing this straight up and, and just kind of, and, and so he says this, be, be in control of your own body. That's one of the things that he says. And then he also says, um, says this, that, that we have to be in control of our body, but we need to be walking in holiness and honor to God. How many want to honor the Lord? All right, so here's the here's the uh, here's the good thing. He shifts gears here in uh, the middle of uh, chapter four, 
and then he moves to hope. How many can say that you have hope? All right. If you have Jesus in your heart, you, you have hope because you have the hope of heaven. Um, and there's something else we don't hear a lot of preaching on sometimes. But uh, the hope of, and he's going to go into this, the hope of the rapture is what he's talking about. Or the taking out or the taking away it doesn't necessarily say rapture. How many have ever heard of the rapture? All right. So we're going to touch uh, a little bit on that. And we have hope as believers. Matter of fact, I was asked recently because of uh, the things going on in, uh, with Russia and Ukraine, you know, and, and it, it, you know, when things kind of get crazy, people start asking questions, don't they? And uh, someone had asked me, said, you know, how's this line up with, with prophecies and the things happening? And um, I, I believe that we have to look at things as, as believers, number one. Uh, I think there's going to be signs of the times and things that we have to be looking for. They're markers of the time. But my hope is not in this world. My hope is in Jesus and in, and, and in heaven. So I'm just a pilgrim passing through this land. And if you could ever get past, we are supposed to be in this world, be of this world, and, and to live in this world. We're supposed to maintain why we are in this world. But my hope is beyond this world. My hope is in, in, in Jesus and in heaven. And so... Um, I think there are things that we need to look ahead of, and um, there's this word that we use for end times studies called eschatology, or this, and and that's just basically the study of the end times. And the eschatology, it, when we look at Revelation, the wrath of God in Revelation is is not for believers. All right, pretty quiet when I said that. And oftentimes, and I, and I don't, I'm going to say this in as much love as possible. Sometimes we 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 hone in on revelation, and our eschatology is about the wrath of God rather than the love of God. And can I tell you, as a believer, our focus should be on the love of God because the love of God will keep you from the wrath of God. Amen. And those things go; they will go hand in hand. And so. Uh, so let's dig in here, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and this talks about the coming of the Lord. Yay! Amen. All right, verse 13 says, uh, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, but uh, about those who are asleep. So when he says that, those who are asleep here are is a metaphor for dying. Um, in Scripture, you'll see that in the Old Testament and New Testament believers who were in the faith that had died. And so the King James Version says, instead of uh, don't be uninformed, it says don't be ignorant. How many know what ignorant means? Uh, we think of ignorant as being an, uh, as a negative connotation, but ignorance is just not knowing something. Um, it's just, it's just I, don't, I don't know that or I haven't been taught that. And four times in the scripture he mentions um, not to be ignorant on specific subjects or, or being unlearned or uninformed. And um, the old saying, right, we've heard it, ignorance is, is bliss, right? Some people say that. Well, Paul's saying the, quite the opposite here is don't be ignorant on this. It's not bliss. It's not okay for you to, to do this. Um, and if we are ignorant on things, oftentimes scripturally it can lead to confusion, Right. And so that's why we have to be uh, students of the word. As a matter of fact, four things that he mentions, and I'll just, I'm not going to go deep into these things, but I'm, I am going to touch on them just a little bit. First Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12.1, 1 
It says, don't be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. That's one of the things that he says. Here's number two, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Don't be ignorant concerning the devil's plans and strategies. Spiritual warfare. A lot of people don't want to talk about spiritual warfare, but it is a, it is a true, real thing. All right? Uh, number three, Romans 11, 25 and 26 says, don't be ignorant of the mystery that eventually Israel will be saved. All right. Pretty quiet on that one. Everyone's like, oh, I don't know about that one, right? Uh, and, and that is really what the tribulation is for, is for the nation of Israel. So First um, Thessalonians 4.13 says, don't be ignorant concerning those who sleep. So it's interesting. Those four things, guess what people are usually the most ignorant about? The gifts of the spirit, eschatology, spiritual warfare, and things concerning Israel. It's it's I mean, it's kind of uh, funny. I mean, it's not funny that people are. But Paul just says, hey, don't be ignorant concerning those. Go find go find the answer. Dig a little bit deeper. And so, um, you know, the thing about spiritual gifts, some try to just explain the explain away spiritual gifts. You can't just explain them away or we don't want to deal with them because we just want to push them back in the corner because we don't feel comfortable using them. But but if you read those things and, and maybe people say, oh, they're controversial and they shouldn't be used. But Paul's saying, hey, don't be ignorant concerning these things. As a matter of fact, when he's talking to the Corinthians, he spends three chapters in First Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, talking about spiritual gifts. And I love this. In the middle of, of chapter 13, he talks about love. So he talks about the gifts, then he talks about love, and then he talks about the gifts again. And where the, the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit are operated, they need to be operated in love. All right? All right, if you're with me, Sam, I'm with you. All right, so look in here. Um, some of you may say, hey, I'm not sure why I'm going through this trial, and I don't understand why uh, this is happening to me. Well, this is what Paul says. You can't be ignorant of the devil's schemes and, and devices. you got to know the things that he's going to try to trip you up with, right? And, and you got to know, I, I'm convinced that many walk around in bondage because they're just ignorant of the enemy's devices. Um, there's certain things sometimes that Christians get themselves involved in that they have no no good reason to be involved in. So I don't understand why I'm bound up in this. Well, you're, you're doing something that you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be. So, and then this he talks about. Uh, uh, though blindness has happened to it, Israel will eventually be saved. And it's amazing to me um, if you look at history. My daughter's going through uh, the history of World War II at, at school, and we were talking about this. But it's amazing to me that after World War II that the nation of Israel, be, uh, people began to flee Europe where they had been disbanded and all across this world. And they all came back together in 1948, in May of 1948, and that nation was reestablished in short time and how God brought that nation back together. And that nation is not only existing but it is existing prolifically in this world, this little nation that's about 300 miles, I think, or maybe 150 miles long and 60 miles wide is, a, is doing amazing things that has one of the best economies in the world. Why? Because God's hand is on that nation. There's a plan and there's a purpose. So, um, and then also understanding of eschatology and what happens to us in the end of our lives and where does the soul go and whatnot. So, Paul's telling the Thessalonians and us to be informed and comforted by the hope of 
seeing their loved ones again. All right? And this was the hope for the, uh, this is a hope that their pagan friends would not have. All right? So I'm glad tonight we can be clear concerning these things that Paul talks about uh, called the rapture or the taking away. Or God, God doesn't want us to be confused by this, but he wants us to be student of the word. So the next portion of the scripture says this, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So uh, if you were to, uh, can you put those scriptures together? But, do not, uh, uh, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you what may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So as a pastor, there's something that I've learned. Um, and since I've been here, the year and a half that I've been here, I have done uh, eight funerals, and uh, you say, well, that doesn't seem like very many funerals. I can promise you that is a lot of, a lot of funerals to do. And something is interesting about uh, funerals because what I've learned is if someone dies and the family doesn't know if they knew the Lord, uh, man, it, it, it makes the service so hard because I, I, I'll say this, you know, I, I'm uh, one, one guy that had passed away, um, I went to see this uh, person who had passed away, his wife, and, and she just, the first thing she asked me was, please tell me he's in heaven. And I, and I just had to look her in the eye and say, I'm not the one that can say that. I cannot tell you, but I can tell you this, that if he knew Jesus Christ, he's in, in heaven, okay? And so uh, I had to say, and sometimes that's, that's tough, but here's the deal. When someone dies who knows Jesus, the feel of the funeral is something that is completely different. Uh, I was talking to a, a minister friend of mine, uh, matter of fact, uh, last night, and he preached both my grandparents' funeral. And I was asking him, I said, I said, you preached my grandparents' funeral, right? I was trying to remember. I'm getting old, and I'm forgetting these things. And he's older than me. He said, I did. And so uh, he said, and the one thing that he said about that was, he goes, I didn't have to preach those funerals at all. He said, their lives preached those funerals because we knew where they were. And so as believers, we have this hope, and the hope, when we have Jesus Christ, the hope is heaven. Amen? So when, when our loved ones pass away and they know Jesus Christ, we don't have to second guess where they are. Amen? So that's the hope that we have. Look at this, verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Talking about those who have died. In other words, those who have died uh, that are believers in Jesus Christ are presently in heaven, okay? Their bodies are not, but they are pres- uh, their, their souls are. Unfortunately, some falsely teach that Christians who die are unconscious until the second coming. And um, they're just sitting there in their grave. And I, this is a false teaching that surfaces every once in a while. And the Bible says, why is that a false teaching? The Bible says this. To be absent from the body is to what? Oh, I'm going to stick with the word of God. That's just, that's just where I'm going to go. Um, and so, uh, so if, you are, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you pass away, guess what? You're right there with him. You, you go. And so well, the Bible proving Bible, right? If you need some scriptures to back that up, First Thessalonians 5.10, um, 2 Corinthians 5.8, Philippians 1.23, all right? That's called hermeneutics right there. All right, so look at this. So when a Christian dies, their body uh, sleeps and their soul goes to heaven. So remember this. Um, here's another example, Luke 23, 43. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today you will what? 
Yeah, you're going to be with me in paradise. And that's just the way, that's just the way it works. Verse 15, so for this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Okay, I want to just, just take a, like, I don't know if you have a highlighter. It says, I want you to notice, it says sound of the trumpet of who? Okay, sound of the trumpet of God. So take note that it says trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. All right? So those that have died before us, the Lord is going to grab them first. And guess what? I'm going to be a close second right behind them. Amen? Uh, uh, I love that. Verse 15 says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then they that remain shall be caught up in the air. And so the Thessalonians would um, would wonder uh, this because some of them had been persecuted, and maybe some of them had even died. So, and we'd say, "Hey, that's that's not fair. Why did the dead get to go up first? Well, I guess because they died. I don't know. And that's just what that's what Paul says here. And uh, I don't care what order I go in. I just want to go. All right." Uh, and and so we're going to um, move here to some eschatology here. This verse has caused many to be confused concerning uh, when the church will be raptured, and some have misinterpreted this text. Remember, I, I, I wanted to point out it said the what the trump of God, the trumpet of God. So uh, there are those who contend that the trump of God mentioned in verse 16 refers to the seventh trumpet of Revelation, which signals the rapture. Uh, Revelation eleven fifteen. Thus they reason the church will be present on earth during the tribulation, and um, this is um, this is my personal belief. Uh, I believe that's a misnomer. I really do, um, and and I'll give you I'll give you some reasons. He, hear me out. The trump the trumpet in Revelation uh, chapter eight through eleven are blown by angels. That's what it says. And if you look at those, they are blown by angels. And in verse 16, it simply says, what? The cry and the command with the voice of an archangel with the sound of the trumpet of. Oh, is there a difference between God and archangels? Oh, 100%. Matter of fact, I, I heard this, I heard this uh, recently. The opposite of God is not the devil because God is far superior than the devil. God created the devil. He's a fallen angel. Matter of fact, the opposite of Lucifer is truly Michael the archangel. Like if you're going to do a, a, you know, so God is far superior than, than the archangel. So look at this. The trumpet that, that Paul calls the last trump in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 52, the first trump was in Exodus uh, 1916 in Sinai. How many remember reading that in Exodus? Which both will be used together, okay, together. A cry from God is the voice of an archangel, most likely Michael, and Michael portrayed as the leader of the army of God. Uh, Gabriel is another archangel, is the messenger, and then the trump of God. Everyone say, man, I hope that trumpet blows. If it blows before the end of this sermon, boy, I'll be, I'll be all right. Verse 17 says this, then uh, we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with 
the Lord. Woo! I like that. This is encouraging to me. Uh, you may, this may be discouraging to you. This is encouraging to me. Therefore, look at this. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, hey, we're going to heaven. You might as well smile about it. We're going to heaven. Um, John 16, 33 says, in this world you will have tribulation. Now, that is not the tribulation. That is tribulations. That is trials, okay? We're going to have issues, right? And Jesus said uh, this talking about the tribulation or trials from Satan, from our flesh and from the world. But listen carefully here. The tribulation of Revelation 6 through 19 is the time when God pours out his wrath and judgment on a Christ-rejecting, sinful world. All right? Um, Yeah, we talk about God's love. God is loving, but God is just. God does not change. God is loving, but God is also just, and and if he says it, he's going to do it. So Jesus was saying, hey, we'll face as believers strife and temptation and and trials from Satan and our flesh and the world, and only only non-believers will face the wrath of God in the tribulation uh, in Revelation, all right? So this this is my belief that as believers, we will not go through the tribulation, you say, I, I don't know if I believe that same thing as you. You can believe that all you want, but when the rapture happens, I'm going up. You can stay here all you want, all right? Um, and matter of fact, you can go to this church, and you can believe that if you want to. Uh, but I just believe that the, that the blood of Jesus Christ covers me better than that. Amen? All right. So uh, that is comforting words to those who know Jesus, and it would have been comforting words to the Thessalonians uh, uh, that day. Uh, so look at this, verse, or chapter 5, it, it, talks, it continues to talk about the day of the Lord. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. So this is interesting. So uh, we know what's going to happen. But here he, he kind of alludes to um, uh, basically, hey, I'm, I'm going to lay out some things that you, that, that you know concerning the end times. So why study prophecy? We can learn a, a lot about the rapture and the day of the Lord. Look at this. Did you know that a third of the Bible is prophecy? Did you know that? Like, so if you read the Bible, a third of it, whether you want to study prophecy or not, if you're reading your Bible, you are learning some prophetic things. And so, and, and so we need to do that. Secondly, we study prophecy because the present times and seasons point to the coming of Christ. I told you someone asked me about, you know, things concerning Ukraine and Russia. And I, and I, and I begin to think, you know, the, the Bible says a lot of things. And here are some signs. Matter of fact, Paul would write this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. He says, here's some things to look for. These are signs of the times right here. These are signs that you're in the last days. But understand this, that in the last day there will come times of difficulty, all right? Uh, therefore, people will be lovers of self. Right? There's a whole lot of uh, people that love themselves. We have these things called selfies, right? I have an iPhone. Everything's named after I, 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 me, 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 right? Everyone wants their 15 minutes of fame on Twitter. All right, I'm just going to leave that one alone. All right. Um, uh, But it says this, in the last days there will be times of difficulty uh, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. 
All right. And I get proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And all the parents said, well, I know that's true. All right. Um, uh, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's a, that boy, if that doesn't hit the heart of the American church, I don't know what, what does. Um, so uh, avoid such people. I like how just in that, when it, it, that, that little section where it talks about people that are lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God, it says avoid such people as is to say, those people, steer clear of them, all right? Uh, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and they are never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Whew. Man, that's a tough scripture, isn't it? That's a lot to swallow. But, but we look at that scripture. There are signs of the times. The scripture also says there will be wars and rumors of war. How many know that we're dealing with that right now? How many know that we deal with a, a, lot, of, a lot of things, famines going on in the world, and a lot of lot of just crazy, crazy things, you know, earthquakes in, in various places and just different things. Verse 2 says this, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. All right, so you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor, wait a minute. It just said there were signs, but now it says that the Lord's coming like a thief in the night. Well, I'll give you a little bit of... Uh, you know, does that contradict itself? I'll, I'll give you a little bit. Verse 1 says, uh, look for these signs. And then verse 2 says he's coming like a thief in the night. So a good thief, you know, I, not that I'm a good thief, but I, uh, if I was a good thief, the last thing I'm going to do is call and tell you that I'm coming to your house to break into it, right? Uh, just making sure you're going to be gone at 10 o'clock so I can come by and, you know, break into your house, right? A, a good thief is going to, so it's the element of surprise that allows them to steal under the cover of, of dark or at night or whenever without getting caught. And so Paul is not concerned uh, with the thief, but how the unsuspecting homeowner goes about their day and not thinking that the thief will rob them. That's the compa comparison that he's made. And he's saying this, church, hey, don't go be so busy going about your life that you're, that you're not concerned about the Lord taking you up, okay? And so, so there are people of this world will be going about their daily life, and Christ is going to come in, and he's going to snatch his bride right out of here. Woo, I love that. Man, I love that. Uh, so about, uh, about this contradiction that in verse 1 and 2, well, you just got to keep reading on here. Verse 3 says this, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But, but you are not in darkness, brothers. Now, um, that term brothers, you know, that can be translated brothers and sisters. But the reason that says brothers and sisters is that we are adopted in. Amen. Amen. If you know Jesus, you are adopted. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day uh, to surprise you uh, like a thief. Look at this next, next verse. Verse 5. For you are all children of 
light. Children of the day, we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not, what, sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. There's a lot in this scripture. It's, um, it is only un- unbelievers who are in the dark concerning the Lord's return. As a believer in Christ, you should, you should look to these things. You should study these things. You should hope for these things. Believers, on the other hand, know what is really happening. And when, when we hear things like peace and security, hey, we know. Man, I need, I need to pay attention here because uh, when the world, when the UN and the EU and all the other acronyms that they have out there start saying peace, 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 as believers, we need to go watch out. Watch out. Um, and so uh, and we have to focus our attention on the hope of heaven, not the darkness of this world. And so Paul in Corinthians, he calls these trials, I like this, uh, he's, he, you know, that we, the trials that we go through, he calls them light afflictions, right? He calls them light afflictions compared to what will come. And that is true. So the things of this world that, that lead up to the rapture, they're going to be light in comparison to what, what the actual tribulation will be. And as believers, we should be uh, comforting one another about this blessed hope as it draws nearer and nearer. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I'm ready to go to heaven. And some of you are saying, I'm not ready to go right now. Um, but we realize that dark times and seasons before the rapture will become in- increasingly and more treacherous. I, I've lived, well, I, I want to say I've lived a short life, but I've lived a pretty good significant life. I'm trying to stay young, right? And, and I can't help but see the times of the world, and I feel like, and it was crazy. Me and Tristan were talking about this just the other day, and I said, man, it seems like when I was growing up that, that things were just a lot easier and, and not so bad, and you didn't hear all this negativity constantly. And, 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 and some of you who might be a little bit, more older or older than me, a little more sage. You got a little more gray on top. You know, you do at least have more hair than me, but you have a little more gray on top. You could probably think back to a time where things were even better. And we were talking about that, me and Tristan. I was like, man, it just seems like the world just kind of gets worse and worse and worse. And I don't know why we're surprised by that. Scripture tells us it's going to get that way. And so we have to be ready for that. And um, and, and it goes on to say this, there, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars and famines and natural disasters. And, and all those things are just birthing pains. It's just birthing pains. Um, one of the things I can say when my wife had our kids, it was not so bad for me. But for Tristan, matter of fact, you know, when she had... Uh, when Zaylee was was coming, you know, she woke me up in the night. She goes, "I I think my water broke," and so and we I jumped up and I was ready to go. I was a super dad, you know, grabbing bags. It was like one thirty in the morning, I was, and I got to the front door and 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 I was like, "Are you okay?" And I looked at her and I said, "I gotta sit down because I was about to throw up." She goes, "Take a minute." And so, and then, this is even better, I drive to the hospital, it's like 30 minutes away, take her to the hospital, we get there, guess who fell asleep, guess who was sitting there going through birthing pains, right, and, and but here's the thing, that when birthing pains start, 
When a woman starts having contractions, you know what? There's nothing. When they get to a certain point, there's nothing that's going to stop that baby from coming. It's the same thing in this world. When, 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 and I heard someone say this. There's the, 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 the thing that's keeping the spirit of Antichrist out, out from coming just full flesh is the Holy Spirit right now in the people of God. Now, listen, and once we're out of the way, guess what? I mean, and, and as those things happen, these birthing pains and these things that begin to happen in this world and, and contractions cause pain and discomfort, right? And, and sometimes we have these pains and discomfort. But we're pretty blessed here in America, right? Oh, man, my Wi-Fi is not working. Oh, really? That's so terrible right now, you know? The little things like that. But uh, this day, but look at this. This day that when all these things happen, guess what? Scripture tells us that it will not overtake us, okay? It will not overtake uh, 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 us. And so, uh, um, and so for us, it, it won't be something that we don't already expect. But to the unsaved, they're going to be like, whoa, this is bad. Didn't see that happen. And so we are expecting it. Verse 6 says, because Christians have knowledge on these future events and we should not be spiritually asleep, but be sober-minded. Be alert, be awake, be ready, right? Verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith. I love this. I love this scripture. And, and this is a great reminder that, that we are to be people of light, not darkness. Um, it's interesting because uh, second, or, uh, Corinthians, uh, I, I, I believe it's, I don't know if, it, if you have that, but I don't know if it's first or second. I just put Corinthians. It's one of the two. Um, 6.14 says that, that um, the light and darkness, it says, are light and darkness the same? And it says, no, they are not. They're not. They, it, it, it warns us that they're, they're not unequally yoked. As a matter of fact, John 8, 12 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in what? Darkness. But will have the light of life. Man, I love that. And, and John chapter 1, verse 5 says this. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Amen. And that's, I'm talking about Jesus. And so, look at this. It says, put on the breastplate of faith. And um, where does faith come from? Where does our faith come from? Hearing. Hearing the word. Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. You want to increase your faith? Start listening to the word of God. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, you listen to it at church. Go home and read it. Read it out loud. This is what I found. When you read the word of God out loud, you're not only saying it, but you're listening to it. You're saying it and it's going in both of your ears. So you're comprehending that. In Ephesians, it talks about the, the shield of faith, not the breastplate of faith. It's kind of interesting. You know, uh, chronologically, Thessalonians is probably one of the first books that, that um, Paul ha- wrote to any, any group. In Ephesians, he talks about the shield of faith. But, but what's important here is whether it's a shield or a breastplate of faith, they both protect you. Amen. 
So change the language, but it doesn't matter because they're both going to be there to protect you. And, and the word of God will ad- defend against any of the lies of the enemy or any of the lies of, of the world. Amen. Um, I say this a lot, you know, when I get a chance to speak to to students, I love to speak on um, what Christ says about them, their identity in Christ and who they are. And a lot of young people believe the lie that the world tells them that they aren't good enough and that God doesn't love them and because they've made mistakes that God doesn't. But the word of God doesn't say that at all. You know, I love it. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's masterpiece. That he created us to do good things. I mean, a long time ago, he created us to do great things. And so he has ordained us to do that. So what, and that word masterpiece, I love that, is, is a poem. It's a beautiful poem. God looks at you and says, oh, I like that. And I love that. And so, and so many people live the lies of the enemy because if they knew the word of God, it would thwart off a lot of the lies of the enemy. The word of God will give you the truth. Amen. It will give you the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. And matter of fact, uh, you know, um, you can handle the truth. Unlike a few good men, you can handle the truth. How many know that you need the truth of God in your life, all right? Um, so it, it's uh, interesting, again, uh, this triad of faith, hope, and love. So look at this. The next bit of Scripture says, and um, so he talked about faith. So then faith comes by uh, or uh, he talked about faith right before that. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Those who, uh, who sleep at night and those uh, who get drunk and are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith. Moving on, he says this, this triad again. And love, breastplate, breastplate of, of faith and love. And for the helmet of hope of salvation. So the breastplate of faith and love. And the helmet of hope and salvation. Amen. And so what happens when you put on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope and salvation? We will live and constantly live in the hope that the Lord is coming soon. And any lie that the enemy wants to throw at you, any discouragement, and anything that he may throw at you, we can thwart off because we know where our hope is. All right? Verse 9 says this, for God has not destined us for wrath. Underline that. Underline that. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that. Uh, Who died for us, uh, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So whether you're dead or alive, if you knew Jesus Christ, that we might be with him. So Paul says this, God has not appointed us to wrath. Why? Uh, be, is it because we're cool? Not hardly. I've seen some of you. Right? Is it because we are good? Uh, that's not much better for a lot of us, right? Is it because we're American? No. No, the wrath that that should be poured out on us was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. So it's not appointed uh, for us. And it was on Calvary's hill that he took our place on the cross and he paid my debt and he paid your debt. 
I don't know about you. When I start talking about the Lord paying my debt, man, I just, I just want to just bawl like a baby because he's been way too good to me. I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his mercy. I know that, but 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 because he did this for me on the cross, guess what? I, I, I know this. He's given us hope, and I love that. So consequently, we are not ordained for wrath of the Lamb, but but for his marvelous glory, glorious work of salvation. So whether we are living or asleep or dead, we will live with him. Remember, chapter 4 says that the dead in Christ will rise, and they that will remain will be uh, we'll be right behind them. So verse 11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I love this because he's writing the Thessalonians here. Remember, they're going through persecution, and he's just saying, hey, keep encouraging one another. Keep building one another up. Listen, if there's anything that the church needs to hear in this time and this season is keep building each other up. Keep loving one another. You know what love, love, love covers a multitude of sins. When someone has wronged you, if you will love them, you'll be surprised what God can do in you and them. It's amazing. So this, this is a verse that we need to live by. Ask yourself this question as a Christian. Am I building someone up today or am I tearing someone down? It's just a good good litmus test. Are my actions and my words building people up right now? Listen, there's moments where we slip. There's moments where we may uh, say something to our kids. And anybody ever, any of my other parents ever say something to your kids and go, and the Holy Spirit said, yeah, you're not acting in love. The Holy Spirit tells me, then my wife tells me. Then the dog doesn't even want to be around me. And he has a way of telling me, right? But, but, but here's the thing. And so we are to be encouraging one another, building one another up. And as believers, be encouraging one another about the hope of the rapture and going to heaven. You know what I'm excited about heaven? I get a new body. Some of you said, praise the Lord, right? Um, as Paul ends this letter to the Thessalonians, he does so with a series of practical exhortations intended to refine their walk. So we're going to try to cruise through these pretty fast. So his final instructions and his benediction here is this, verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you uh, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. That's a verse that I think a pastor wants to hang up in the foyer. That went right over everyone's head. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem you very highly. Uh, um, most pastors would, would love that verse in, in leadership. But here's the thing. As, as a leader, you know, there's a high um, accountability on my part that as a shepherd, I have to, I have to be mindful. I have to, I have to watch. And so, but in this, but uh, we, we, we are to think highly of those who are called to instruct and admonish or challenge us in the name of the Lord, not because of their personality, but because of their position, how, who God has called them to be, not because they are uh, of, of who they are, but because their invaluable work they do. And matter of fact, I have and just, I mean, I have mentors that, that are above me, and I have people that I have to answer to as well that, you know, there are people that are even above me. And so it, it says this, be at peace among yourselves. It is, it is great when the church and its members are at peace with one another. It's beautiful 
And man, it's just harmony. It's beautiful. I mean, the only way I know how to describe it is if you're a music person, man, when you have those, those, those three notes in a chord and they're going together, that triad, the harmony, it is beautiful. You want it to work. It just sounds beautiful. It's working. But if you get one of those notes out of place, whoo, if you're like me, you're like, oh, that hurt my tooth, right? You just, you hear it and you're like, but, but it's beautiful when there's harmony among the, amongst the people of God. And what I, that's what I pray for you and that's what I pray for our church. Verse 14 says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idol. We are to encourage, we are to build up, but if you see someone who is a, Believer who is in idle mode. We are to admonish them. I don't know what happened there. We are to admonish them. And I guess no one didn't want to hear that. Encourage, uh, encourage the faint hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Man, I don't know. Uh, that is a great reminder to all of us. When we find someone who isn't, you know, here's the hard thing. Sometimes when you're in leadership in a church, when I was a youth pastor, I'd see students, I'd be like, man, there's so much potential in this kid. God's going to use this kid. And then I would see them, and I'd be like, oh, what are you doing? I'd be like, oh, and then I would have to sit down, and I would talk to them, and I would remind them what God says about them. And Man, you need to do, you can be better. You, you can do this, and God loves you, and, and we and I begin to encourage them, and I begin to help them, and sometimes I had to be patient with them. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, I had a kid bite me, and I wanted to punch that kid. I was pretty mad. And I thought, what is wrong with this kid? But, I, but we have to be patient with them. We are to love them. And, so, and Paul gives four, four points here, injunctions here that I believe are true to ministry. And if you want to be in ministry, you ought to write these points down. Admonish the idol. That's it. You see someone who's in cruise control. Uh, the King James renders it, warn them, uh, warn them that, that are unruly. Or correct them. That doesn't mean you need to come down on them hard, but you need to do it in love and grace and mercy. Amen. Uh, I need correction. You need correction. Uh, no amens on that one. Um, and, and here's the thing. Well, I, and I learned this from a, from a mentor pastor that I served under, and he said this. If you are not correctable, you're not usable. If you can't be corrected, then you can't be used. I, I love that, and, and that's something that I've, I've adopted in my heart. And so, so the next thing is in, encourage the, the faint-hearted. So comfort, come behind and lift up those who are struggling and, 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 and maybe they're understanding uh, the, the will of the Lord. I love a good encourager. How many love a good encourager? Man, there's some people I see. And, man, all I got to do is see them, and I'm like, yeah. It's encouraging to be around them. You know they're going to they're gonna speak life into your situation. And then there's sometimes I see people, and I'm like, right, because, oh, the sky is falling, and this is happening in my life, and this. I love a good encouragement. Give me, and then you're saying, Pastor, I'm not going to tell Pastor anything bad about my life. No, uh, if you need to talk to me, you can, you, you can talk to me. But, but give me someone who encourages me over someone who has a negative mindset. 
I need that in my life. And too many Christians are too negative. They're like Eeyore. Okay. Right? <laughs> here's, here's the next one. Help the weak. Everyone say help the weak. Um, uh, here's the thing. We have to get messy leading those who are weak in the Lord and, and come beside them and support them. Um, think of a physical therapist helping someone who's been injured day after day, week after week, pushing them to be better. That's what, that's what we are to do as believers. You know, just someone's weak. Maybe they aren't walking as strong as Come beside them, grab them by the arm and say, hey, we're going to take this one step at a time. You can do this. You can do this. I love that. Verse 15 says this. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Um, it's not just repaying evil for evil, Christians say, but uh, they say things like, well, she did this or he did that, right? But here's a simple antidote to uh, all, all as a believer. Here's, this is it. Don't be evil at all. Just don't be evil in your nature, revenge or not. Just don't be evil. I'm, I'm just be kind to people. Follow that which is good, both to those within the Christian community and those without. You know, you can be nice to people that are not saved. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You should be nice to people that aren't saved. For uh, follow that which is good both uh, to those within the Christian community and those without. Uh, for Christian uh, to try and get revenge is the denial of Christ's love. I'm going to get my way here. I, I have to get my I, I have to get my answer. That's the denial of Christ's love. Um, that's pretty big. I, Martin Luther King said this, hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I love that quote because it's, it's a true statement. No matter what kind of revenge you want to try to get on somebody, guess what? You may feel better about yourself in the end, but like in that little moment, but guess what? At the end of the day, it doesn't really solve anything. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. So only the love of Jesus Christ can turn hate around. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Uh, I love this verse right here. This little bit of verse right here. Man, this is like becoming more and more of my life verse. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love, 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 love. One more time. Love this verse. Regardless of a difficult situation, a Christian always has grounds for rejoicing. Amen. Why? I'm going to heaven. <laughs> no matter how bad it gets. I'm going to heaven, right? Uh, Christian's joy is not based on circumstances, but as we grow in awareness of who God is and that the, the future uh, eternal life with Christ. So what is God's will? Paul's clear message here is God's will is that we always be rejoicing, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstance. I love, love. Did I tell you I love that verse? I love that verse. Verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Some scoff at the gift of tongues or the words of wisdom. And here's the deal. They do this at their own spiritual poverty because those who fail to acknowledge the manifestations of the spirit actually quench his presence in their own lives. I know that's a bold statement and that's strong, but to quench the spirit means to resist his influence like trying to smother a fire. God, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to do this over me. 
And one of the fundamental rules of walking with God is that we should not uh, say no to the Spirit of God. Look at this, verse 21. But, but test everything. Okay? Um, that there's, there's, the, there's the kicker to 19. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test, test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. evil. Um, be discerning in your spirit. I'm amazed at the lack of discernment in the body of Christ. I really am at times. It, it's kind of uh, disheartening at times. When we discern correctly, we can tell what is right and what is wrong and hold to what is good. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you if you'll let him. Did you catch that? If you let him. God, take control of my thoughts. Take control of my heart, Lord. Help me to discern what is good. God, don't let me be evil in my thoughts towards people. Don't let me be mean-spirited in, my, in the way that I... God, let me, let me come... When I talk to people, let them feel the love of God just flowing off of me. Help me with that. If you want to be used by the Lord, you must deal with the the uh, deal with the issue of uh, appearances. You you might be innocent, but if anything you're doing even appears evil, it can compromise your usefulness. Right? Abstain from every form of evil. So if it looks evil, probably shouldn't do it. Right? Well, you know. We weren't doing anything bad. I was just over at our house at 2 a.m. in the morning. Well, it look, doesn't look good, right? Um, that's a, probably not a good example, but, but the, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Verse 23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Oh, I mean, I pray that right now. Hmm, sanctify you completely. And, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians was that they may be sanctified in all aspects, all aspects of their life uh, and in their spirit, their soul, and their body. And every part of a believer's life should bear evidence that they are set apart by a holy God. I love that. Um, when we do what we, uh, what we will... Um, We'll be blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ when we do those things, when we, when we live like he's called us to, we'll be blameless. Blameless does not mean sinless, but free from the cause of reproach and regret. So Paul encouraging the Thessalonians uh, to do this until he returns and s- to see them, and we, we should live holy in our lives until Christ returns to, to get us. Amen? Like this. Here's number 25. Brothers, pray for us. I love Paul's transparency here. Hey. I need prayer, pray for me. And I'm like Paul, and I say this as your pastor, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me constantly. Please do. I'll never turn down a good prayer. And just pray that God would just lead and guide and help me and direct me and help me to be what I'm supposed to be, all right? Instead of complaining about uh, us, hmm, hmm, I like that. Instead of complaining about us, pray, pray for us. I don't like the way they do that. Well, call my name out in prayer, right? And, and we aren't perfect. I know you know that. But, but ask God to give us wisdom and, and, and to guard our hearts. Verse 26, greet all brothers with a holy kiss. When I was a teenager, I used to use this as a pickup line. It didn't work. <laughs> uh, all the single people are saying, finally, some good teaching in the scripture right here. I like this one. Right? Uh, well, sorry. Uh, it's not what you think. It's just a common greeting. They like shaking hands. 
And I'm glad we don't do that anymore. I'm just <laughs> being real. Maybe if you were in Eastern Europe, you'd be like, oh, you know, whatever. But I'll stick with just shaking hands or fist bumps. Uh, verse 27, I, I put you under oath before the Lord to have uh, this letter read to all the brothers. Mission accomplished. I did it. I, I did it. I read it to you guys over the last few weeks, over the past three Wednesdays. And I'm just following Paul's admonishment here. Verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and the Lord's grace with us. And, and because his grace is with us, I'm thankful. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. The grace of God is truly amazing. Will you bow your heads with me just real fast? I, I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, let this word penetrate our hearts, God. As we talked about the hope uh, as believers, God, the hope of heaven, Lord, you said to your disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. You said that if we believe in you, Lord, that you, you, are, you are going away, Lord, that you're preparing mansions, God. God, and heaven is going to be great, but, Lord, the greatest part about heaven is being with you. Eternity, God, just living with you and knowing you, God, in a, in a way that we've never known you, God, in a dimension that we've never known you. God, I pray, Lord, that this hope of heaven, Lord, would, would just be encouragement to us, Lord, in this season, Lord, that uh, maybe we're discouraged by the, the signs of the times and maybe we're a little bit down. But, God, may we find hope in the everlasting hope of heaven, God, as believers. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just... Uh, be with us this week, God. Keep us safe from all harm, God. We lift up all the families that are affected by uh, deaths, God, and, and those that are going to be dealing with funerals, God, in the up-and-coming days. God, just send your peace uh, to them. Be with them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said...